at the risk of repeating myself, and there is always a risk of that. I think if anybody's been listening to Steve Swift's rambling reviews, you know that's the case. At the risk of repeating myself, oh, I just repeated myself. If you've got a reality TV show and you want to do a story on a certain subject, like wrestling, for instance, you're going to need something big and dramatic, aren't you? What you don't want is a wrestler who was steeped in wrestling because his father was a famous wrestler in the 70s, became a wrestler, worked his way up through the territories, then went to the WWE and uh, wasn't popular at at, at first because he was too sunny and smiley, but he found his own way, went heel, then became a tweener, had superb catchphrases, was a massive, massive success in the WWE, then became a big Hollywood film star. No one's going to believe that, are they? So what you want is a story of success and then disaster and then possibly retribution and coming back up or not. With this Dark Side of the Ring episode, sadly not. Because this is about Bam Bam Bigelow and... It's about, it's what you do about the story or with the story. Basic story is Bam Bam Bigelow, huge gentleman, very athletic. Nobody had really ever seen this before. Got an early break with the WWF at the time. Got released, went to Japan, came back to the WWF again in 92 during a difficult time for sales. Was involved in enormous uh, sports entertainment Wrestlemania headlining gimmick or angle with American footballer Lawrence Taylor and then went to ECW and put his body on the line so much so and with a big frame anyway that he had to resort to pain pills and doctors it seems were happy to let him do that is the implication But it's what you do with that story that really counts. And here, they have done something really nice with it. And generally, they do with wrestlers. You know, um, the Junkyard Dog was a similar situation. Didn't find retribution after his uh, drug abuse. And um, during his drug abuse, and, you know, moving further and further down the spiral with that. But what shone through was what a lovely human being he was. And that... It's the same with Bam Bam Bigelow. So, you know, you've you've got his family there, his wife and his children. And what is very clear is that when he was home, he wanted to be with his children and was a wonderful father to them. Um, you know, eventually he had to leave the family home and um, his wife is very clear and honest and open about the pain of that and the pain that she... Um, that she suffered with, with him. Um, and it's it was said that he was more excited about being a father than in headlining WrestleMania. And that's a great, it's testament to his work. But then later on, when he's spiralling down into OxyContin use, pain pills and OxyContin, um, his wife mentions that actually he wanted the wrestling more than he wanted his family. So there is a dichotomy here. Um, you've got big wrestling people. Dave Meltzer's interviewed. Uh, you've got DDP, uh, Diamond Dallas Page, who knew him from early on because 
he used to um, work at the Quack Quack Club, or the Club Quack Quack, on the Jersey Shore, and they're both from there. And, uh, you know, at 17, even at 17, said, well, you know, we knew he was underage, but really he was so big, no one's really going to mind that. And he was called the Beast from the East, even then. Had a bit of a football career. And um, they interviewed Taz, who looked good, and Shane Douglas, who looked good too, actually. Um, Taz talked about believing the stories about Bam Bam before he was famous, like being a, a bounty hunter and and a, um, a bounty hunter and hunting situation that went wrong and his partner being killed. And Yeah. We hear Bam Bam of, during this programme talking as well, which you don't often get um, with these uh, programmes. So um, talking about his time as a bounty hunter and we see how he came up. Larry Sharp's Monster School stayed for a year. He lived there. We see the training footage, but really, you know, it was his life. And as his wife said, it gave him life and it took his life. He hooked up with Paul Heyman early on. And um, when he went to the WWF, and I remember this, actually, they tried to make him a big star. He was a big man. There was no one like him. Big and athletic. Vince likes big, big wrestlers. And they had a bidding war. Um to get his to, to become his manager I think Oliver Humperdinck was his manager there and um, he was pushed quickly into the main event with Hogan and sometimes other big men might be a bit concerned about that uh, that he hadn't paid his dues he jumped straight into that um, that position without any due paying there is an allegation here you hear him saying this that Andre at one Andre the Giant at one, in one match um wrapped the ring rope around his neck and choked him in Madison Square Garden and he was he was going out he was you know it was only a short time with the WWF at this time he went indie then went to Japan very good money there but went back to the WWF as I say in 92 for the well with this big Lawrence Taylor um, angle for some ratings I don't know if it really pushed the metric there I remember it and there's um Bam Bam saying that he was asked to do it because he was the only guy that could turn chicken shit into chicken salad. There you go. That's a good comment from the man himself, and you hear him saying that. And he also says that you know, and it is said in the in the the program that if if you're hurt, Vince wants you to work. He doesn't want you to be hurt. He wants you there. But as they they point out, it's a really good. I think it was Shane pointing out that he's four hundred pounds. So. You know, with his uh, more than four hundred pounds. So you know, when he when he sits and stands, it's like you're squatting four hundred pounds of weight. It's bound to um, affect your joints. And oxycontin and pain pills came into into play, and doctors allowing that. Um, I think they mentioned a bottle of a hundred and something oxycontin at the time. You know, he went to ECW, which is not going to help things because of their uh, raucous and rowdy and physical style. He liked how it looked and. Taz talks about the particular um, spot where they fought and he went through the ring. He said that Bam Bam was more concerned with, well, if I get this wrong, you're going to hit your head. So they show a little bit of the match and him going through the ring. And there was a trapdoor there, of course. And Taz said, you might see a bit of white tape on Bigelow's hand. And that's because that was a measurement to make sure that Taz cleared his head and the first thing that Bam Bam said to him was, are you all right? 
huge pop, but the first thing he was interested in, were you alright? And he had an enormous amount of injury on his spine, compressed discs. His son says um, that, and one of his sons says that running your finger up and down his spine was like reading Braille. That's really, really horrible to, 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 you know, to think. He was, he went to the WCW last. I don't remember him in there, you know. Um, I think he was a champion there, tag team champion, but eventually they paid him to stay home. He was taking 15 to 20 Oxycontin a day. And his daughter, who of course was much younger then, um, was next to him in the passenger seat when he nodded out on the freeway and was arrested by police and taken away. And that's really when it all came to a, a head for him. And um, he was only 45 when he died. Um, DDP's in tears about this. And he's, his wife said, I, can't, I couldn't grieve because I had to provide for the kids. That's what I'm left with. It's such a sad story of, you know, no pensions. There were no pensions in, in wrestling unless you take one out. Unless you do it yourself. There's no trade union in wrestling. No guild in wrestling. Jesse Ventura tried that. It didn't work. And, you know, everybody wants your spot. And I suppose what, in retrospect, you might say is, well, Bam Bam could have said, well, there's nobody like me. So I'm going to take a few weeks off to let this heal. Because you'll always need someone like me. But he didn't. He fought through that pain. He wanted to make sure that he got his spot to provide for his kids, to provide for his family. The kids love him. One of his kids is in the Bam Bam, um, a Bam Bam ring attire. As he says, I don't fill it out as well as he did. And you know, the man lived his role. He had a tattooed head, for goodness sake. And those flames were always there wherever he went. He lived that gimmick. And it wasn't a gimmick for him because he was a genuine tough guy who was a big guy, who was an athletic guy. And that is what he was in the ring. He's one of the people who, in wrestling, had little gimmick. It was all him, and sometimes that's the hardest thing to get away from. It's a good episode, this, because it doesn't ramp up that, oh, he was wasting on OxyContin, and oh, wasn't it awful, and here's a picture of him, and here's some talk about him in a terrible state, and there isn't any of that. What there is is gentle, kind recollection some of it about how lovely he was, some of it about how difficult it was. But these are lovely people, talking in a lovely way about a clearly lovely man. And when you can do that in your reality TV show or your documentary, that's what makes it work. Ta-ta.